The world of musical theatre is where my next guest, Jamie Reed, started out his career. The starting of family soon encouraged him to make the transition with wife Helen to founding Reed College, the creative arts school that now has an outreach programme across the UK. Jamie has also started a company called The Voice Teacher. Goodness knows where he finds the time. And last year became a fellow of the Royal Society of Arts. Let's find out more. Jamie, welcome to Tea Time with me. Ali Monjak, how are you doing? Hi, Ali. Yeah, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Yes, very well. It's, you know, the, the sun is out, isn't it? And, you know, things have really gone more than picked up a pace, haven't they, with life? To be honest. They have. They have. There's a touch more optimism in the air, which is good. Yeah, definitely. So you must be really busy because, I mean, you started Reed College how long ago? Uh, 13 and a bit years ago. So 2008 we started, uh, April 2008. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of grown. Um, yeah, it's grown beyond measure since that point, really. So we've... Uh, yeah, it's been a, a pretty interesting sort of 18 months, as it has been for everybody, but especially working in education and education in the charity sector and performing arts education in the charity sector. It's just kind of been uh, uh, been an extra couple of layers of challenge just to keep me on my toes, Ali. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I would say so. So you probably had to find funding from different places as well. Yeah, so because we so the college is a registered charity, we're not attached to a university, we're not attached to a secondary school because we uh, we guard our independence quite fiercely actually because we know that over the last 13 years we've been able to help a record breaking number of young people to get into the industry and onto the degree level programs and we know that what we do works. Uh, and if we partner with any um, any schools or universities or what have you, then we give up some degree of control over our hours and our curriculum and our budgets. So we've always stayed independent, but the whole ethos is that we want to support underrepresented and disadvantaged young people to get a start to their career. So a lot of our funding comes from events and uh, live performance stuff and all that kind of thing, which obviously has gone absolutely out of the window over the last 18 months or so. So it's been it's been an ongoing challenge, um, but we've had some terrific support from uh, from smaller local charities and lots of uh, recognition from people who've helped us to get the the message out we were lucky enough to have a a visit back in November in that little brief moment where the world reopened before it hunkered down again we had a visit from um, his uh, Royal Highness the Earl of Wessex Prince Edward who came out and uh, spent some time at the charity which was great uh, and uh, we've got a couple of shows hopefully now we've got a couple of live shows coming up in the next few weeks uh, oh, some are live yeah so, well, we've got one that's, uh, we've got two that are being streamed, actually. So on the 19th and 20th um, of this month, so Saturday and Sunday in June, uh, we've got our actor showcase. It's a play called Collected Grim Tales by Carol Ann Duffy. Uh, and it's a beautiful, really visual, really creative piece uh, that our acting students put together with a director called Victoria Gimby, who's a professional theatre director. Um, and we staged it at South Hill Park uh, Theatre in Bracknell with full lighting, sound, costume, completely professional team, but with no audience in there, just with a camera crew. Uh, so that's been filmed and that's being streamed uh, live online. Uh, and then we've got a, a hybrid performance on June the 26th, which is here at the college in Reading, where we'll have a small socially distanced audience and the live stream cameras in 
which is a thing we call platform performance. So the students have three weeks and an empty rehearsal room and no script. And at the other end of the three weeks, they have a sold out auditorium and they have to make a show uh, in that wow. time. And it's usually a fringe comedy show. So we, we teach them basically how to be entrepreneurial. So rather than waiting for someone to give them work, they leave college, hopefully knowing how to create their own work as well. Uh, so that will go out on the 26th and then on the 20 uh, on the 30th of June actually we have our musical theatre showcase at the Arlington Arts Centre in Newbury mm. uh, which is doing two socially distanced live performances at half past four and eight o'clock in the evening with professional band live uh, uh, live music and all the full team behind it so that, that would be just great to be back in a theatre I can't wait Oh, I bet you can't. It's been too long, hasn't it, really? It really yeah. has. I mean, yeah. everybody in the industry has really suffered, though, haven't they? Because they haven't been able to properly go back into a theatre. As as we you said, and it is quite interesting, but now that, you know, everything seems to be streamed rather than just, you know, live performances, which is yeah. you know, a way forward, isn't it? It is. It's a way to reach wider audiences. Um, our first kind of brush up against it was for our open day back in November. Uh, yeah, November 2020. Um, sorry, there's a singing rehearsal next door. I don't know if you can hear a lot of high pitched <laughs> <laughs> sounds going on. Um, but yeah, we had our open day in November, which normally is a packed out event in the building. And we thought, well, let's try the live streaming thing on something like an open day where uh, we've got a little more control than in a live performance. Um, this is less uh, less uh, things going on. Um, and it was terrific because normally we'd have 150 people in the building able to interact with the students. And actually we had an audience of about 600 odd online uh, who were able to watch the live stream. But because it was a live live stream, they could actually ask questions, talk to staff members we did an improv section in the acting open day where they could make suggestions via our facebook page and then the students were creating work around their suggestions so it it was interesting it does open up new audiences it's not the same thing as being in a theater um but the the platforms i think have got clever as well um so we're uh, the shows that we're streaming are going through a thing called book ticks live right. which is lovely because as a consumer as a ticket holder when you log on um you, the, the show goes live as if it were a live show it goes live at a particular right. time so it's not like it's on demand and as you sit there there's a few program notes that come up on the screen you can click to download a pdf program there's a set of curtains on the screen just waving in the breeze with some lights on them waiting for the show to start and then at the appropriate moment the digital curtains go back and the show begins <laughs> and the lights come down and it so it has a sense of the theater energy to it even though it's um you know it's being at home uh, but it, yeah. it gets us to a wider audience and hopefully engages a few more people in the work that we do as well. Well, I think that's it, isn't it? I mean, certainly things have gone a lot more digital. So, you know, it's it's a win-win situation. A wider audience is always a win-win situation, isn't it? You know, because yeah. then people start, you know, um, not just buying into, but enjoying your work, you know, which is great. I think it, it's always yeah isn't it so yeah it is no absolutely I mean just sort of wind the clocks back a bit I mean you started <laughs> out as a musical theatre performer didn't you because you went to uh, the Sylvia Young school that's yeah. right I did uh, hundreds of years ago when the ink on the bible was still wet <laughs> um yeah I was <laughs> um, yeah so I, I started off, well, I began my career as a dancer. Um, so I trained in musical theatre. I'd done the singing and acting and everything. 
uh, it so happened that the first jobs I got out of school were dance jobs um, because it was the late 90s and Riverdance had just gone massive uh, in the, the Eurovision. Uh, so a lot of Irish dance shows popped up. So actually one of my first major jobs out of school was as the um, understudy for the principal on Spirit of the Dance on the first world tour of that, wow. uh, where which was a lovely first job. I was in my early 20s and took off all over the world, uh, waving my legs around in different arenas for a living, which was fab. <laughs> Um, and then did the kind of West End musical theatre circuit and did a couple of the big shows in London uh, and then went a little bit more back to my roots with um, uh, with more of the singing and acting work. So my grandfather was a jazz musician, so I'd grown up singing um, mm. and always been around music. So uh, did a couple of albums and bits and pieces like that. Uh, finished up in film and television. I've worked as a choreographer. I've written a couple of musicals that have been performed. So all kinds of stuff over the first sort of 15 years of my working life um in in all Before areas of the business really. settle down <laughs> yeah it was kind of that so I'd, I'd always taught I'd always loved teaching um and when uh in fact when I finished Sylvia Young I had two years out and did my A-levels at Reading School which is just down the road from where I'm sat now at Reed College actually um and during that time I also did my dance teacher training um qualifications at a local dance school and so from about the age of 19 onwards, mm. I started teaching dance classes to begin with. Um, and I, I really, really enjoyed it. I love working with young people and I really enjoyed um, seeing them develop. So all throughout my performing career, I always had a split between when I was teaching and when I was performing. And it meant that I had something to come back to, but also it, it kind of um, fulfilled something different in me than the, than the performing did. Um, and then when I met my wife, Helen, uh, we met 18 years ago now, and she, uh, Helen trained at the English National Ballet School. She has performed with Hugh Jackman and all kinds of amazing people. She was a principal dancer for Matthew Bourne in Los Angeles and in the West End. Uh, but she'd suffered a chronic knee injury and her performing career had, had finished by the time I met her. Mm. And she was working for a community centre in Brixton for um, kids of recent migrants to the UK who were struggling to integrate and needed help with homework and Duke of Edinburgh scheme and all that kind of work. Oh, how lovely. Uh, and we realised that actually between the, the teaching and the youth work, there was something there and we loved working together. And by that point, I'd gone more into the acting and singing and Helen being a tremendous classical dancer. It kind of made sense for us to sort of Bye. fill those roles. Yeah. So we started off, the first thing we ever taught together was a summer school um, in Kent, where Helen is from. Uh, and we got off a plane from Turkey four hours before because it had been delayed on the way back from our holidays. So we rolled <laughs> off with no sleep, but we were in our early 20s and still had it in us to kind of yeah. master that. Yeah, um, the show must go on to the job. And from there, we, um, we realised that we had a really good partnership as teachers. So then we set up, uh, when we got married, we moved to uh, Thatcham near Newbury and we set up a theatre school in the village, uh, which ran, it's, well, continues to run actually, it's no longer ours, but it's um, uh, something that we ran for eight or nine years, uh, teaching younger kids uh, from sort of age of two or three up to about 15, 16. Uh, and again, just thrived doing that and loved it. And as we were just making the transition into thinking about the college level training and the charity and how we could combine Helen's youth work experience with what we do. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, at the same time, our son uh, was, was born as well. Wow. And I, I did about one or two shows after Tom was born uh, and realized that I didn't really particularly want to be off on tour when we had a, no. a family. They so that was, quickly, don't they? they? They do. And you don't want to miss that. And that, that was the, the point where I went, actually, I, I love this enough for this to be what I do. And I still get my fix of being in the industry by 
seeing the students do what they do and, and helping them to achieve their their goals and I was lucky enough to have a really busy performing career and I felt like that was the right moment to to step back so that was that was 13 years ago my son's about to be 14 so that was 13 years ago and that's where the college all came from really and now you've got trouble on your hands yeah now I've got a 13 year old and an 11 year old and a college <laughs> <laughs> for your sins yeah no, that, that sounds amazing that really does I mean it's funny isn't it how you kind of grow with your children I mean you know I was very much like that as well I mean mine are 21 and 18 now would you believe gosh they just grow up so quickly don't they yeah it's just wow it's It's terrifying yeah and I, I think you know you make different choices as well about you know what you want to do and you know how you want to to be and I think you know there's something in you know I've done a little bit of teaching before there there is something really empowering, isn't there, about teaching people how to do the arts or how to do something. There is. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And seeing them kind of blossom um, and the sort of work that we do here with them as well. So they're the, the, the kind of the scope of what we do has changed a lot over the years. So when we began mm. 13 years ago, we started with six students in a hall along the Oxford Road near Tilehurst in Reading. Uh, who were six young people that we went, we think you've got it in you to get to drama school, to get into degree level training, but you're just not ready yet. And we started working with those guys. It's now, so the the intake for September will have 57 young people on full-time courses with us, but we also have an outreach um, scheme, which is called Access to the Arts, which runs all over the country, uh, where we engage with over four, four and a half thousand young people across the country every year through outreach programs, which are all free to access uh, so that we can actually really start to address some of the imbalances in the industry, um, because things things are slowly getting better in terms of diversity and representation, but they're nowhere near good enough. And actually, that comes from grassroots. That comes from reaching out to people to say, this is something you can do. Mm-hmm. And I know that right now, when you look at a screen, you don't see yourself represented back, but let's change that by getting you involved now. So our outreach goes out to targeted areas all across the country where there are particularly high levels of deprivation or particularly mm-hmm. high densities of certain communities who are maybe not currently represented in in the mainstream performing arts and we'll go and work with them for free and funnel them through a whole process of careers advice and schools workshops and then slightly longer courses and then hopefully get them down to read and eventually get them into into full-time training so it's a, it's got a whole kind of uh, whole scope going right through now which is which is fantastic that is just amazing and I, you know it seems like your mission as well because let's face it it doesn't matter what it is that you're teaching you know children young people that you know lived in a, a deprived situation um it keeps them having hope it keeps them moving yeah. forward and also you know let's be honest in some cases it actually keeps them out of trouble it does um, it does. I, we always say that actually you don't become an actor because you want to. You become an actor because you were born that way. And if you don't channel it into something, it goes wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. There's just this kind of mischievous energy <laughs> that you kind of need to bring to it somewhere. And you have to find the, the channel for it. Um, and that's that's the great joy of working with the with the guys here. You know, they're, they're, they're a really critical age. So the, the full time students are between 16 and 23 on average. Mm-hmm. So they're at a real turning point in their lives of figuring out who they are, you know, and what, what their life is going to look like. And it's, it's such a privilege to work with them at that stage. 
Oh, lovely. It is as well, because, you know, we've just talked about children. They get to a certain age, don't they, as well? And, you know, physically and mentally, you're, you're starting to change anyway as a person. Yeah. And if you've got, you know, added pressures from, you know, your living or whatever, I mean, that that's amazing that you're giving all those wonderful young people real opportunity you know to be themselves and also yeah, yeah. you know do something which i think is great that's just fab brilliant oh lovely yeah so um <laughs> so yeah so you you've been doing that and um now you're sort of you know also doing the voice teacher aren't you you're also that's how right. you time jamie <laughs> <laughs> I'll, one one day i'll sleep <laughs> um yeah so the the voice teacher so after when I made the decision to go into full time teaching and mm. singing, uh, singing, teaching and working with singers had become my uh, my kind of corner of that bit of the business at Reed. Um, and so I went off. Uh, I, I've always loved teaching singing. And I've always loved singing has always been part of my life. But I felt like I wanted to really get into it a bit more, um, you know, because the way that singers are trained now is completely different than when I was at school. There's so much more opportunity and so much more knowledge and so much more information so I went off and uh, did a, a master's degree in voice pedagogy and the teaching of voice uh, and also qualified uh, through an organization called Estill Voice who I'm no longer affiliated with but I did a master a master trainer program with them as well mm. uh, and it really got me interested in the science of voice and how actually when you're training a singer what what exactly are they are they doing so I started uh, just running a small one-to-one -one private practice uh, from home initially in Thatcham. Uh, and through uh, over the years that started to build up. And then I started to get clients who had trained with us at Reed or trained with me privately and were now working in the industry and wanted to come back. And I'm an absolute fiend for musical theater repertoire. I love musical theater. And so I'm oh, always a complete you. geek for knowing <laughs> like what the, what the next big thing is and we're getting the sheet music for stuff early and what have you. So that started to build. And then through the MA program, I got really interested in vocal health and um, looking after singers uh, through voice injury and, and problems that they might encounter. Because yeah. there's a really big stigma. If you are in a show and you pull a hamstring because of a dance move, you'll be given access to physiotherapy in a couple of weeks off and you'll be back in and that's fine. If you run into a vocal difficulty, there's a bit of a stigma around it of going, oh, well, you're not good enough or you, you can't hack it and you don't get the same kind of support. So I started working in that kind of area and started specializing in that. And that's what I wrote my final um, dissertations and, and, and work on a number of years back now. Uh, and it became a real area of, of specialism and interest. So I now do a lot of um, habilitation coaching with professional speakers and singers who are experiencing some kind of difficulty, whether it's kind of just low level hoarseness or consistent tiredness or whether they've had a medical diagnosis of something, but they you know they, they're getting support on the NHS but it's their job and they need something doing now so mm -hmm. I started doing that kind of work um, and that that really built up uh, and working still with professional singers and performers and now I'm mentoring and training other voice trainers so uh, once they've completed mentoring and training with me then they set up under my brand as part of the voice teacher uh, operating in a different geographic region so we can serve as many people as possible so now I've got the voice teacher Reading and West Berkshire, which is me. And then we've got uh, Guildford, Surrey and Hampshire, which is the fantastic Ellie Verkirk. Uh, she is the associate musical director for Six in the West End. Um, she's a brilliant oh, musician. Wow. So yeah. She covers that area. 
Uh, we have Michael who covers North London, who teaches at a lot of the major drama schools. Julia, who's just opened in Oxford, uh, who has done a lot of West End musicals and she's a singer songwriter who's got her music on TV adverts and all kinds. So really wonderful eclectic collection of people. Um, so uh, yeah, so doing that as well at the same time. <laughs> yeah, <God. laughs> yeah so, as I said, never a dull moment, but it seems to be your, your passion to, to help people whether that be, you know, deprived young people or people who, you know, experience physical or, I suppose it can be emotional though, can't it? When Definitely. it comes to voice. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's so much of it um, because actually the emotional side of things, the, the voice is a really emotional thing. I was yeah. joking with a, a colleague the other day saying, actually, I think on Valentine's Day, we shouldn't be giving each other cards with hearts on. We should be giving each other cards with larynxes on because our voices are so emotional. <laughs> um, and so, you know, it's where we say I love you and where we say I hate you and where we laugh and where we cry and all of our emotions affect the voice. So, yeah, there's a lot of that aspect in it as well. Um, yeah. And there's, yeah, there's yeah. now there's a really terrific program um, that's now it's worldwide. It's an online course uh, called the Vocal Health First Aid. So it's a bit like the mental health first aid that's rolled out where it's not saying you're a counsellor. It's saying you've now got a basic understanding of what's going on and you can help to signpost people to further support. Uh, and because, as I was saying, there's tended to be a bit of a stigma around vocal health. There's this brilliant uh, program training singers, singing teachers, voice coaches, about vocal health and qualifying them as vocal health first aiders to then send people on to people like myself when they get into trouble. So uh, through the voice teacher business, I work as an assessor on that program. And that, that's just fascinating hearing how many people there are out there who've gone, I had no idea. I thought I just couldn't sing anymore. Or I thought I'd lost this part of my voice or what have you. And now there's this whole way of, of you know, helping myself and supporting myself. So it's a really fascinating area to work in. It is because I, I do understand a little bit about it because I'm a Reiki master teacher as well um, for my right. students. And, um, yeah. you know, we I use the old um, method, the, the Yasui method, um, you know, not which is further down the line of the lineage. So, okay. um, and, you know, they, he uses the original chants, Buddhist chants, Mm. And, you know, when you actually start chanting, you can hear because it, well, I, I'm <laughs> talking to the converted, <laughs> <laughs> but it, it resonates, doesn't it, in your mm. larynx and it almost releases some sort of energy. It releases, you know, it, it an, really an amazing energy. It yeah. really does. And it, it releases... You know, when somebody says like I, so many people, when I say what I do, because if I want to put it in a nutshell, it's too complicated to explain what I do. If you've just met someone at a, an event, yeah. say oh, I'm a singing teacher because that's just easier. And then people will say they'll look at me and say, oh, you could you could never teach me to sing. Ha ha. But if you look into their eyes, they're saying, please teach me to sing because we have this kind of innate feeling that we want to express ourselves through our voice. And I think through societal conditioning in this country, especially, we just get told to shut up a lot and people lose this connection yeah. to their voice. They're too afraid. Oh, I might make a mistake. Someone will judge me about something. And, you know, you just got to let all that stuff out. And so there is there's a real emotional, energetic, spiritual link to, to voice as well. 
um, which some people really click with and that really interests them. And for some people, they're like, no, I just need to get through my presentation at work. Shut up. And that's that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's about what works for different people, you know? Yeah, it, it is what works for different people. I mean, if I was to come and see you, which I might at some point, you never know. <laughs> yeah. um, I would be much more interested in the spiritual side of it and, you know, clearing yeah. out chakras, I think. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm currently doing a major piece of research on using uh, yoga as a way of helping people with muscle tension in their in their voices. So people who are experiencing quite chronic voice loss and being able to use uh, both the postures and the breathing and the meditation involved in yoga to help to um, to habilitate those voices back into use. So we'll have a chat, Ali. We'll, we'll all, yeah, we can clear our chakras together, that. darling. It'll yeah. be marvellous. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, if, I, if you want to go the full spiritual hippie i literally have the om sign tattooed on my arm <laughs> at the bottom oh, of that wow. yeah i just love that Damon. so there we go. <laughs> there we go so, yeah. so did you go out to india or no i've never been it's somewhere that i absolutely intend to 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 visit at some point in my life i've never been yeah. yet not at the um, moment but, but... No, quite. Yeah. yeah. No, um, it's hard to go anywhere at the moment. To, it it is hard to go anywhere at the moment. But I think, you know, I've, I've always wanted to go to Nepal, um, you know, oh, as yeah. well, to just visit some of those monasteries, you know, so, yeah. and hear the, the monks chanting, because I think that just must be amazing really yeah. must be wasn't it so yeah, that's definitely it's... on my bucket list anyway oh brilliant <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so oh well good for you well look thank you for coming on tea time today that's and, my pleasure you know I mean you are you know as you said found funding and are able to carry things through but are there there are things or areas that you still need help with uh, at college yeah I mean we're always grateful so if people are interested in what we do in supporting young people and they just want to volunteer with us give their time or maybe they run a business and they feel like they could give something in kind and um, we're always on board for that we love when people want to do sponsored stuff for us so if you want to you know if one of your bucket list things is running something or jumping out of something or whatever the thing is uh, we're always happy to hear from people who want to do kind of sponsored events and team building events um and all of that side of things but if you go to um readcollege.org and then yeah. it's forward slash access to the arts uh, and that will give you all the information on there and we'd, we'd love to hear from you super is craig rebel hallward still a patron he is yes lovely Aww. craig we did a show together 21 years ago um <laughs> in london before strictly um so our, our two um uk-based patrons uh, dame judy dench and craig rebel hallward who are two mm. people that i was fortunate enough to work with in my performing career who I managed to maintain contact with. So yeah, we uh, I'm still I'm, I'm in more active contact with Craig than uh, than I am with uh, with Jude at the moment. But we're we're still in in touch with both, and they they lend their name to our work, which is yeah. uh, which is an amazing service. That's fantastic. I think actually last time I saw you was um, in Reading. I think it was the cultural event, wasn't it? The Year of Culture. Oh, the Year of Culture. That's right. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. And I, I remember interviewing uh, Craig and that's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. There's yeah, a video yeah. of that on our YouTube channel. Actually, I did a I did a one hour live interview with him at Reading Town Hall as part of that year of culture. And yes. so that, that's on our website or on our YouTube channel. That was a fantastic thing, wasn't it? It really was a really good event for everybody. It was, it was I great. Think. And 
yeah, yeah. bringing the local area together because we're all Berkshire people here aren't we absolutely <laughs> so, um, for those I mean I've got listeners from you know across the world as well so yeah yeah but um, yeah so that's cool well as I said thanks Jamie and I think you're doing an amazing job and um, yeah catch up soon thank you Ali lovely to see you bye Bye. Look forward to chatting with my next guest on the Tea Time Sofa this time next Saturday. In the meantime, if you would love to get in touch about having a chat with me, you can reach me on Tea Time at forthenow.co.uk, where you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on Tea Time with AM. Bye for now.